the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Our podcast is sponsored by Alliance Defending Freedom. ADF provides help at no cost to those whose liberty is being violated, but they can't do it without your help. Call 800-691-8969. That's 800-691-8969. Or visit townhallreview.com. Our special guest in studio, and it's so great. I love having friends who are colleagues of mine in more than one place. Because I knew Jim Rosen when he was a cub reporter. No, only joking. <laughs> we, we were at Fox News together a few years ago. I'm now regularly at the Sinclair Broadcast Group, as is he, as he's as their investigative reporter. He's much more than that. He is a man of letters, written seminal works on John Mitchell, on uh, Vice President Cheney and others. Uh, and he's in studio right now. And it's great to have you back, James. It's great to be back. Thank you, Seb. Uh, follow him right now on Twitter, James Rosen TV. And your timing could not be better. I, mean, I know we set this up a while back, but this breaking news. Um, Lisa Page, if, if you were caught up in the maelstrom that is the crossfire hurricane, counterintelligence investigation operation against candidate Trump and then President Trump and then your Texting on your government phone, mm, in, let's say just indiscreet things to the FBI agent you're having an affair with as a married woman. Do you think, um, at least, would you have given this interview that Lisa Page has just given to the Daily Beast? Well, you're kind to begin the interview by asking me to place myself inside the mind of, of Lisa Page. Um, suffice to say... If you were an advisor to somebody of that ilk... Would you say that's a good place to give an interview? If I were advising Lisa Page, I would have said, don't give any interviews. Instead, save it for your book eventually, right? That would be the best Or or the grand jury subpoena. (laughs) Well, uh, so far, there's no indication that Lisa Page is in legal jeopardy. Let's begin at the beginning, Seb, for the benefit of our listeners. Who is Lisa Page? Yes. Lisa Page was a former senior attorney at the FBI. She was there. Uh, Not only there, but occupying that position and and playing a key role in both the Hillary Clinton private email server investigation and the Trump-Russia crossfire hurricane investigation that you just referenced. Yes. Uh, And it has since been disclosed that she was having a relationship with her colleague, the uh, deputy assistant director of the FBI, Peter Strzok, who also was playing a central role uh, in the Hillary Clinton case and the Trump-Russia case. Uh, And their text messages... Uh, were eventually uh, made public. And in those text messages in August of 2016, Lisa Page wrote at one point, he's not going to become president about Mr. Trump. Right? Right? Question mark, exclamation mark, with a hint of panic uh, in her texting voice. And and her colleague, Strzok, wrote back, no, no, he's not. I, we, I won't let it. We won't let it happen, in essence. Uh, he also wrote about a meeting that they had had in Andy's office a week later that was um, Andy McCabe, the former deputy director of the FBI, who's also left the agency disgraced, as, the two, as, as Page and Strzok have. And he spoke about an insurance plan in the event that Mr. Trump did win. These texts have figured very prominently um, in, in, the, the, in the view that Republicans have of all that went down in 2016. 
Uh, and in particularly, President Trump has 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 spoken about Lisa Page and Peter Strzok and and what those texts mean. And he calls it nothing less than an attempted coup. We're soon to get a report next week, just uh, about a week from today, uh, from Michael Horowitz. He is the inspector general. December 9th. At the Department of Justice. And he has already written and published many reports critical of people like James Comey and Andy McCabe and Strzok and Page. But he's, his report is going to examine the origins of the Trump-Russia probe and whether in particular the FISA surveillance that was secured against Carter Page, a former Trump campaign advisor, uh, was, was legal and constitutionally valid. Uh, but uh, So some have suggested that Lisa Page is speaking out now. I think you have among those who suggested that she's speaking out now. She gave her first interview ever to the Daily Beast. It was published today. Uh, perhaps uh, in anticipation of the, Har- the forthcoming Horowitz report, the article in the Daily Beast states that she's speaking out now because it's officially been 18 months since she left the government. So you've covered the Watergate uh, scandal. You've, you've written as a historian. As a historian. Just so as, we're clear, not as a uh, daily deadline reporter in 1973. Well, right? you, you, you look very good for your age, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get this in writing? Okay. No, you've written, you've written a work now uh, yeah. as an author. Um, school us a little bit. I find it so strange. Maybe it's growing up in the UK where we have very strong sub-judice rules. You don't, you don't talk about anything that's potentially a, a matter of, of judicial process. In the Watergate years, did, did people who were named individuals in, in certain scandals, did they – this woman's giving an interview to Daily Beast. But, but we have others. We have Comey and others that are going on book tours did that happen in the past with, with people who were in the spotlight for, for the wrong reasons, James Rosen? Watergate is really the birth of that. Watergate is where you see for the first time this conflation of public events, current events, shall we say, scandal, and a large commercial industry arising to exploit it and leverage it. You know, the Watergate memoir was the beginning of what we've seen now. And now people don't even wait until things have played out. No. They, they, they're publishing them in real time. People, in fact, forget that All the President's Men was published while President Nixon was still president. Um, so, yes, it happened in the past. John Dean, uh, uh, as I believe ar- around the time he was testifying to the Senate, uh, the Senate Watergate Committee, which was a big deal, televised, et cetera, yes. gave an interview first to Walter Cronkite um, so of CBS News at the time. So... Um, these are these are I, this is why I call Watergate the birth of the modern. Everything you, you're seeing now, special counsels, uh, f- litigation over documents, um, impeachment, all of this, really in the modern era, the, the Nixon presidency. That's why I find it so fascinating. Is is kind of the template for all of these things. But there's more meat on this bone, wouldn't you say? Well, I think a supporter of President Trump would say, no, in fact, there's no more meat on this bone than was present in Watergate. They would say that this no, is I'm, a sham I'm, I'm and talking, a hoax. I'm talking about the other way around. I'm talking about what the, the DOJ is investigating now. When you're to, in oh, terms I see. Of, yes, yes. Right. So uh, the, the, the implications for what happened in 2016 uh, really are, are large and important. Um, and by the way, the Horowitz report that comes out, there's already been a lot of leaking about what's in it. Yes. Uh, and all indications right now are that it will be like previous Horowitz reports, which is to say um, bad things happen, but it didn't affect the final outcome of things right. and nothing really too terribly criminal. But there's something that's going to come after that, and that's the Durham report. Um, before we proceed with our discussion, just one little audio clip that I don't know if you heard this, James. It's from Chris Saliza on CNN trying to explain why 
impeachment just isn't gaining any traction. Cut three. Um, so I would say Democrats would have been much happier if those numbers had moved up five or ten points. But I would also caution that we, people like you and I, are paid to follow this stuff extremely closely. The average person is gearing up for Thanksgiving, uh, looking ahead to Christmas. Uh, and so I think there's an element to which we have to take a big cleansing breath and think to yourself, it's possible that this will take a little bit longer to seep into the body politic, the average voter. And then let's give it two, three, four weeks and see where we're at. So it sounds like the tryptophan from the Thanksgiving turkey made impeachment uh, less interesting than it should have been. Were there excuses like that during Watergate, James? <laughs> well, I, you know, let's remember Watergate began with an actual crime, breaking and entering at the Democratic National Committee headquarters and, and, and a wiretapping operation that had taken place there. So as a scandal... It, it gains a certain momentum from the outset because it's recognizable to everyone. Because there's the something outset. there, there. Yes. And, <laughs> and then the question became who ordered this or once it was, it was covered up. Right. And who ordered those measures and so forth. Here, it's not been established that, that a crime has been committed. Uh, but in response to Chris's point about, quote unquote, the average person, I'm always careful to say so-called average Americans. Um, I think that um, it may also just be the case that we're in such a much more polarized climate now than we were in the Watergate era that even on the basis of what's come before us so far, most so-called average Americans have already made up their mind about this event. Uh-huh. And I don't think Chris was taking that potentiality into consideration. So the impeachment hearings are pretty irrelevant. There might as well be a vote. Yeah, I don't. Well, in other words, I don't I don't think it's irrelevant. I think our representatives should be forced to vote on this matter. But it's not going to move the dial. Right. I don't see anything that's going to absent some some bombshell disclosure, which could happen. Uh, That's how scandals work. Um, I think that um, most Americans have more or less made up their mind about this. And um, I think that a number of the of the procedural oddities uh, associated with this impeachment proceeding, the fact that it's... <laughs> Mildly put, very, yeah. very selective word <laughs> usage there, James. Uh, the fact that it took place originally in the Intelligence Committee. Yes. Uh, the fact that, um, um, you know, there are other aspects to it. Other transcripts not released. Or, so or the so fact that really what you're stuffing the elephant of impeachment through the mouse hole of the whistleblower process, okay, Interesting, in a sense, good way right? of putting it, yes. Um, I, uh, I, despite all this, I, I think that um, it may be the case that the Democrats recognize that it's not a winning issue for them, not in the way that potentially they think health care can be right. or certain other aspects of the Trump presidency. But it's dominating their actions. For the moment. Uh, but the very haste that we see associated with the process suggests to me that the Democrats themselves, at least the leadership, understand that they want to get this over because with it's quickly. Because it's happening surprisingly fast, isn't it? It is. It's much faster than any previous impeachment cycle. Um, information moves more more swiftly in the 21st but there's more century. Of it. But, and there's more of it. But, but yes, this is moving very fast. And I think and not just because the Democrats correctly see that that moving swiftly provides them with a tactical advantage over the White House, but also because they might not see this as the best issue for them as they head into 2020. You you talk about a a nation divided. Um, We just have the announcement that the Donald Trump campaign, the re-election campaign, has banned Bloomberg News from its events. Is that uh, part and parcel of a divided nation, James Rosen? (laughs) No, that's a predictable response from the Trump administration to the announcements out of the Bloomberg News organization that they won't be investigating Mr. Bloomberg, Mayor Bloomberg. Or any Democrat. Or any other Democrat against whom he is contending, but that they will continue to investigate the White House and President Trump. As a practicing journalist, and just uh, you don't even have to mention Bloomberg from, from, from now on. 
How is a decision like that defensible, just from an ethical standpoint of a journalist and an organization doing its job? Well, I think it's an it's an it's effort. A, it's, a, it's a half recusal. It's an effort at <laughs> at um, at trying to avoid conflicts of interest, but in so doing, it seems to create other conflicts. Right. Right. Absolutely. Let me push back on one last thing while we have you here, James. You said a nation divided. Yeah, that, those were your words, but no, I did talk you, about a you, polarized you, you climate. About polarized yes. climate. Yes. Is it more polarized than other times? I mean, w- we lived through a period in this country where servicemen were spat on mm. as they got off the plane coming back from Southeast Asia. Are we more divided than that? More the- polarized? Sometimes the polarization takes place along along a different axis, let's say. So in the past, we've had a generation gap, right? No yes. one talks about the generation gap anymore, no, right? No. Because grandma's got tattoos and she's listening to <laughs> Zeppelin, right? Nobody's. Um, uh, but I do think politically we are more polarized than ever before. And I think there's very few persuadable voters in the middle left anymore. And that's why you see uh, our, our colleagues at CNN lamenting that there wasn't more movement in the numbers. Blame, blame the turkey. Always a safe move. You, you, we've been talking about Christmas, by the way, and I have to imagine, Seb, that with your stature, your physicality, that rich baritone of yours, <laughs> uh, your, your inclination toward, toward the bearded life, that you would make, if you have not already done so, an excellent Santa. Have you done this? I have no comment to make because my children may be listening, <laughs> and I, re- I take the fifth, and I will not make any statements with regards to... A large gentleman in red-colored clothing with white beards in yuletide season. I, I uh, recuse myself. I know that I have hit a nerve as a reporter. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're James Rosen. Of course you have. I, I, I'm Sebastian Gorka. Follow this man right now. He is investigative reporter for the Sinclair Broadcast Group. He is on Twitter at James Rosen TV. And Sinclair is at We Are Sinclair. And check out this wonderful man's books as well. Hey, thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Our podcast is sponsored by Alliance Defending Freedom. ADF provides help at no cost to those whose liberty is being violated, but they can't do it without your help. Call 800-691-8969. That's 800-691-8969. Or visit townhallreview.com.